0: that you have responded to God's call to this place and to these people, you have been installed. Amen and amen. Jonah is is known by most of us as the prophet who disobeyed God's call to go to Nineveh and ended up in the belly of a great fish. Some of us learned that as a great big whale where he spent three days and three nights praying and lamenting to God, and then was spewed out of the fish's mouth. If you read the old King James, it kind of has that language. Onto the beach, and then Jonah finally decided that he would follow through with the instructions that God had given him. His ministry overlaps with the ministry of Elisha, the prophet who followed Elijah, and also overlaps with the ministries of Hosea and Amos prophets who prophesied to Israel. While Jonah was a prophet to Israel, he was called in particular to prophesy to the people of Nineveh. Nineveh were not people of Israel, they were Gentiles, they were outside of the family of God, and as early as this ministry of Jonah, we see God reaching out and extending God's grace to people who were different, people who were foreigners, people who Israel, whom Israel probably had written off. We could teach today perhaps on the misfortune that came to Jonah because of his disobedience. We could do that. There are a lot of things we could do, but let's read verses 1 through 3 as we set the story. By the way, there's a little map for you. You can see the area of the Assyrian empire. It was Around this 800 years before Christ to 750, Jonah did his work. And some 20 years after his ministry concluded, the Assyrians would come and they would defeat Israel, the northern kingdom. So God sent Jonah to people who would, a couple of decades later, oppress his own people. But God desired that those folks would hear of his mercies. Jonah won through Harshish, we believe, was in the area of Spain. This was as west as you could go in their understanding. So he fled quite the opposite direction than God had called him eastward to Nineveh. We could talk about the misfortune that came to him. We could talk about his willingness to be thrown overboard from the ship he had boarded so that the other men on the ship could be saved. We could talk about the way that God provided for Jonah when he sent that great fish to swallow him up and then delivered him to the safe ground. We could preach a sermon on the Jonah prayer in the belly of the great fish and see the lament that he offered to God and how he poured himself poured out his heart to God. We could talk about the way that God gives a thousand second chances to his people as he gave Jonah another opportunity to obey him. And we could preach about God's love to people who are outside of the family of Israel, these Ninevites. They're all great ideas and would make great sermons. We could do a whole series on them. Today, however, I'd like for us to briefly talk about Jonah's negative attitude toward the people who were different. Jonah reminds me of... The kid who would step on my new shoes in school. Someone who just has to say something ugly to somebody. He reminds me of the miserable friend who wants everybody else to be miserable because they're miserable. And Jonah reminds me of some Christians who say one thing and then do another. Jonah reminds me sometimes of me In my pride. But Jonah goes to Nineveh, and let's see what happens. In chapter 3, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Gets a second chance. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim, it to, the, and proclaim to it the message I gave you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. So this is what, a seven or eight word message that Jonah gives? It doesn't take much. And he repeats this over and again as he is going. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. And this was a symbol of being sorry and a symbol of repentance. The people heard his voice and they listened to the message that God had sent to them through this disobedient prophet. And then in verse 10 of chapter 3, we see that God had compassion on these people. When God saw that When God saw what they did and how they turned from their own evil ways, He relented. He did not bring on them the destruction that He had threatened. And the word in the Hebrew that's translated relented can also be translated repented. Not that God was sorry for anything that God did wrong because God was perfect, God is without sin. But repentance also means to have a change of heart, a change of ways. In the New Testament, when we speak of repentance, that when we believe and trust God and repent, it means we are sorry and we turn from our old ways toward God. And in this case, God changed God's mind and did not bring about the destruction that he had intended to bring about. God had compassion on the people of Nineveh and Jonah got angry because of God's compassion. Have you have you ever been bitter or angry or cynical because you saw God forgive somebody and give them a second chance and you just didn't think they deserved it after all they had done, they just don't deserve that. Maybe all of us at some point or another have Questioned and become bitter because of the grace of God. Well, that's what's happening here in Jonah's life. Verses 1 through 11 of chapter 4, the scripture says, But Jonah, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. It's not fair. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said? Lord, when I was still at home, That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. So Jonah knew that God was compassionate. Jonah knew that God would do this. And because he knew of God's graciousness and compassion, he went the other direction. Perhaps in his mind he's thinking, those people don't deserve that. I'm not going to do it because if I disobey God, then perhaps the, the grace and the compassion will be withheld and the people will get what they deserve. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. He's not only professing his faith in God and acknowledging God's character, but he's saying because of those attributes of God, he went the other direction. Now, Lord, take my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be so angry, Jonah? (laughs) Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. He's kind of stewing. There he made himself a shelter and sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give him shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, it provided a worm. God provided a worm which chewed the plant up so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. He's just miserable, and he is in despair here. But God said to Jonah, Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Just as God decided to provide grace for the people of Nineveh, God decided to provide shelter for Jonah. Kind of grace as well. It is, Jonah said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. He is really upset here. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant though you did not tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and it died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also so many animals? Should I not be concerned? Should I not have compassion? Should I not have a heart for these people who are lost? A few things that I see happening here in the story, as we look at God to Nineveh, we see that God is no respecter of persons, that God desires all people from all walks of life to be part of God's family. God is no respecter of persons. God does not judge by what we look like, by where we're from, or what we've done. And then we look at Jonah, in spite of Jonah's bitterness, in spite of his disobedience, in spite of his anger at God's compassion and mercy and grace, God still pursues him. God doesn't give up on Jonah either. God often works in spite of ourselves. Something that really struck me in this text as I was preparing for today God doesn't give up on me, just like God didn't give up on all of those people from Nineveh who are outside of the family of God. That God has a relentless pursuit of a relationship with you and with me. And then the third thing I want us to remember is it's God alone who decides when he will give mercy and to whom. That's not our call to make, folks. As much as I want to control that and to to own that, that's God. God alone decides to whom he will give mercy. That's grace. It's not deserved. We can't earn it. There's not a thing in the world that we do to deserve it. God alone determines to whom he will give mercy. Our job in this world is to share it and to be vessels so that that good news can be communicated to other people. A question for me and for all of us today is, can we lift up our eyes from our own concerns, even if for a second, to see God acting right in front of us? Jonah just couldn't see it there at the end of the story. He just couldn't see it. He was so concerned about himself and so angry about the grace of God. Can I lift up my eyes from my own concerns, even if for a second, and look for where God is at work and join Him there? I read a story some years ago, and I thought it would be meaningful to share with you today. And it's about a a dad, it's a true story, a dad who was awakened in the middle of the night by his college daughter. She was off at college. This is back in the early 90s, before cell phones and social media, caller ID and all that kind of stuff. The phone rang, startled him in the middle of the night. He, he answered it, and there on the phone was his daughter in despair. And she, she was crying, and she said, she said, Daddy, I am so sorry. She said, but I found out that I'm pregnant. And the dad was stunned. He was stunned. And he, he just wept. And then he said, he's a Christian, and then he said, honey, she said, he said, we're going to get through this. It's going to be okay. I know this is hard, but I forgive you. I'm here for you. Your mother and I are here for you. And then he prayed with his daughter over the phone. The next morning, he and his wife each wrote a letter to their daughter. A few excerpts from the father's letter. God will see you and us through. Though I weep inside, I can't condemn you because I sin too. God forgives this sin as well as others. He also wrote, I will not look down on you or think less of you. Your mother and I will support you to help you raise this baby. We are praying much. We love you more than we can say. I respect you. Yes, I was shocked when you called, but God is with us and will help us through. Remember that God's love is even in this, maybe especially in this, he said. We're glad that we can help the daughter we love so very much. It's a time of testing, but God will give the victory. We look forward to seeing you when you come home. Three days later, he got another telephone call because his daughter was shocked when she received those letters. She was not the one who made the call. Apparently, another distraught young girl had called her father but had dialed the wrong number. And this man's daughter said, quote, these letters are my treasure, real love letters written by a godly father who never imagined he would have to write them to his own daughter. The trouble with grace is sometimes it just doesn't make sense. But we know it when we see it. And we know it when we experience it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we sometimes have trouble like Jonah with grace. Sometimes it just doesn't make sense to us. Why would you send a prophet from Israel all the way to Nineveh to proclaim compassion and mercy and good news? Most of us would rather do what Jonah did and just flee to Tarshish and avoid the whole situation, even though we know you're compassionate and merciful and loving. Lord, sometimes what you are calling us to do in, in this world doesn't make sense. God, your kingdom sometimes doesn't make sense. It turns the world upside down. God, we believe your kingdom, though, is grace. Your kingdom is grace. Your grace is enough. In Jesus' name we pray.